Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. To the KOSS Evening Dance Hour. We now continue with a selection from the Arthur Pryor Band. Please enjoy this selection and check out KOSS in the future for all of your evening dance tunes. Please stand by for an important announcement. Dateline, St. Louis, Missouri. We've just received word that a new conference dedicated to Linux, free software, and open technology has been scheduled for the downtown area. We are told it will be called the Mid-America GNU Linux Networkers Conference. It will be a two-day conference on May 6th and May 7th of this year. There will be something for everyone as we understand it. Educational tracks for everyone from the free software tenderfoot to the experienced systems administrator. Social events, vendors hawking their wares, and even a live music shindig. It says here that positions for speakers, sponsors, and vendors are still available. So if you want to be a part of the event, go to magnetcon.info. That's M-A-G-N-E-T-C-O-N dot info. Make sure to be there in downtown St. Louis on May 6th and 7th. We know it will be the cat's pajamas. And we now return to your regularly scheduled program. Everybody and welcome to Linux in Ham Shack. My name is Richard KB5JBB, and uh, I would like to welcome to you welcome you to our first show of 2011. And waiting in the wings, we have uh, have the star of our show, Russ K5TUX, uh, hiding nowhere in the corner. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello, everybody from the Pine Forest between the peaks in North Central Arkansas. This is Russ K5TUX. A little bit under the weather, just like Richard is, but we are going to press on. And everybody in the chat room is going, wait a minute, it's not 2011 yet. But for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, it actually is 2011. So Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Thank you for being with us in the third year of our podcast. Well, we are not actually in, you know, we haven't actually been doing this for three years, but it is the third year that we've been doing it because we started in 2008. Actually, I guess that makes this the fourth year we've been doing it, doesn't it? Well, I don't, I don't know. It seems like a century. <laughs> seems like a century, but we're only up to episode number 53. So 
But welcome to episode number 53 and welcome to 2011. Uh, we have a, a, a great, uh, interview lined up for this, uh, for this episode, assuming that we can get in touch with the, the person in question. He said he was available, but we haven't been able to get in contact with him. So I guess we're just going to move on to our announcement stuff and then we'll try him again. So, uh, you got anything, Richard? I'd like to thank everybody that's been with us over the last few years and everything else. As far as, uh, having anything, hmm, not really. <laughs> oh boy. It's going to be one of those. See, most people don't realize that we're time travelers. It's 2011 for us, even though we're recording this at the end of December in, uh, 2008. Anyway, uh, so what have you got, Russ? All right. Well, I just have a couple of announcements that I wanted to get out of the way. Uh, before we got into the meat of the episode, and we got a ton of feedback for the end. I'm not even sure we're going to get to it all, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, first of all, uh, over on the website, lhspodcast.info, I have switched the donation bucket from our hosting expenses to a fund to send Linux in the Ham Shack to the Dayton Hamvention again this year. The funding limit is the same. I'm going to try and do the matching funds that I did before. And, uh, if everybody could, uh, use some of their leftover Christmas money <laughs> and, uh, put it in the donation bucket and help us get our boost so we can be out there at the Dayton Hamvention in Dayton again this year. Uh, and I didn't bother to write the dates down. I think it's May 24th through the 26th, something like that. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And I'm sure I'll be corrected in the, uh, in the chat room here momentarily. But anyway, uh, if you could send a donation our way and help us get to the Dayton Hamvention so we can meet all of you guys again or for the first time this year, that would be fantastic. What do you think about that? Like we said, everything goes back in and, uh, that, that right there is one of the, insp- one of the expenses that we incur over the year is, uh, if, if we're going to get to these shows, we need a little help with it. Bill, K9WKA, has all the money, but he's really tight-fisted and won't give us none. Uh, according to Bill, it's May 20th and through the 22nd in Dayton. Well, I knew I would be corrected, so there we go. The correct date is May 20th through the 22nd, Dayton, Ohio, Hamvention yeah, 2011. Yeah, Bill's good with that stuff. Yeah, he's got his finger on the pulse of the Internet. There you have it. He would be cheap at twice the price. <laughs> Yes, we would. We could never replace Bill. So thanks, Bill. On the subject of donations, I'll get this out of the way up front. We did get a donation from Charles to our Hamvention Fund, the very first one. So thank you, Charles. I didn't happen to see a call sign on your donation, so I don't know if you have one or not. But we do appreciate that, and we're already on our way towards Dayton. And let's see. I've got just a couple more things, uh, quick announcements, before we try and get our interviewee for the evening on. Uh, both of these are about the RSS feed for the podcast. Several listeners have reported problems with the RSS feed, one of which was that for a short time the podcast was showing up, especially in iTunes, but also in other podcatchers as simply podcast, I believe. Uh, the title was missing. Um, I fixed that straight away. And now the podcast has gone away, and it should show MP3 feed for Linux in the Hamshack. If you're listening to the MP3, and it'll say Linux in the Hamshack 
Og feed if you're listening to the Og feed. So that that should be taken care of. And then there was another problem. It was, it was a pretty complex problem. I was sent a file that showed a bunch of XML data from Joe, K1RBY, saying that I believe it was Gpotter wasn't updating his list of RSS feeds because an XML tag called last build date wasn't updating. It wasn't showing past May of 2010. Well, PodPress doesn't let me fix that, and WordPress doesn't let me fix that either, so I'm not sure what to do about it. But in my podcatchers, it seems to be working fine. Uh, is it working for you, Richard? Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm still pulling podcasts down via iTunes, and it's showing up just fine over there. Yeah, I'm doing the same, and it's just it's showing just fine for me, too. I suppose I should try it in Gpotter. Uh, anyone in the chat room experiencing any problems with either the AUG or the MP3 RSS feed for the podcast? I probably need to load it into uh, HPotter and see if uh, so that when these things crop up, I'm able to see them. Because, you know, if they, if they write to make it work, they're going to write to make it work with iTunes. And unfortunately, I'm still stuck using that for podcasts. Mainly, be, mainly because G-Potter will only do one iPod at a time. So you G-Potter guys, get on that. I have three that I work with. Seems like a simple thing to add, making it compatible with more than one iPod at a time. Yeah, well, you know, most people can't afford more than one. I'm, I, I, I stumbled into it myself. Uh, I ended up with two given to me. I bought one for Brenda to use that she never used, and then I had one given to me for Father's Day one year. Yeah, well, I have six of them right now, and that's after I sold two. And that's before I started moving to Sans Eclipse, and I have three of those. Folks in the chat room don't report any problems with the RSS feed, so we'll keep looking into that, and hopefully uh, Joe, K1RBY, gets his issue worked out because... I'm not sure why the last bill date tag would have anything to do with downloading episodes, but he seems to be having some kind of issue with it. That's about all I have for announcements, so unless you got something else, I guess I'm going to go ahead and try and give our special guest another call. Well, no, at this time I really don't have any more other than I've been trying to spread the word. There will be more episodes of Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, in the coming year. More than anything else, folks, uh, I had a lot of stuff happen back at the first of last year that just killed my motivation. was more inclined to go find myself a cave somewhere and, and hole up in there than do anything else. However, I'm starting to feel the love again, so uh, uh, y'all look forward to some more episodes in the coming year. And with that, that's pretty much all I have. So y'all get lucky. We take a break early because Russ has to dial the phone, and we'll be right back. I was worthless and I know that 
that I shouldn't go back now Cause I did it on purpose But I'm missing home You'll see that I'm messed up with you And you're my best answer to the question Still unknown Which road takes me Sad song. Well, you're right, what you know, I guess. There's nothing worse than a prince in a castle who's always chronically depressed, putting on a show. Well, I'm the one, I'm the guy you should talk to. I'm like my own little dream museum. I got ideas and they're gonna change everything. Just wait till you see them. I'll be doing them tomorrow. up with you and you're my best answer to the questions still unknown which road takes me y'all are all refreshed because you got got a short segment and then you got some of that wonderful music that russ always finds but now we're back we're going to talk a little while with dave uh w1hjk dave is the man behind fl digi one of my favorite amateur radio programs and in fact if if i still use that operating system put out by the evil empire i'd use it over there too come think of it if i didn't didn't have a operating system i would still use it it'd be more difficult but i'd give it a shot hello dave how are you i'm just fine and how are you all things are going great other than a uh, uh, little bit of the midwinter crusties that uh, we always end up with. Anyway, uh, Russ, uh, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, your voice is uh, better than mine, apparently, because I don't usually sound like Barry White, but uh, I, I kind of like it, actually. I like uh, it good. Yeah, if I, if, <laughs> if I didn't have to be sick while, while it was going on, I, it would be great. But anyway, um, we are lucky enough to have with us Dave, W1HKJ, which you already said wrong once, so I don't think we'll let you say it again. Did I say it wrong again? Yep. Well, I mess yours up from time to time. We've been together for years. <laughs> hey, fellas. Yeah. Just think Holy King James. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it won't stop either of us from messing it up at some point, trust me. 
Oh, I know what it is. It just dawned on me what I did. Uh, there's a guy in Louisiana that has a similar suffix, and uh, that's probably what it was. You were yeah. you were just going in alphabetical order. I understand completely. W1HKJ, Dave, is one of the programmers behind FL Digi, which is an application that we here at Linux in the Hamshack talk about all the time. Uh, we beat it into your heads, and uh, we make sure that everybody who listens to the show knows about it and uses it uh, if they use Linux in their Hamshack, or even, I suppose, if you use Windows in your Hamshack, because there is a Windows version. Uh, we don't advocate that, but that's okay. And I thought since this is our first episode of 2011, and I'm sure Dave's going, huh? <laughs> uh, that, uh, we would have a great interview for you. Um, so let's, let's start, uh, Dave, uh, before FL Digi. Let's go back to, uh, when you, uh, first got licensed as an amateur and, uh, what, what sort of brought you to, uh, ham radio? Well, I've been licensed continuously since 1957. My first call was King 2 Lima Bravo Mike, or uh, King 2 Loud Big Mouth. <laughs> um, and I've, 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 uh, I'm retired from the U.S. Coast Guard with uh, 37 years total service, and I've lived all over the United States and uh, decided to settle on the northern part of Alabama as my final destination before I, I head for that uh, big key in the sky. Uh, just before FL Digi, I maintained uh, something called GMFSK, which was um, also a digital modem program for uh, for Linux. But I, uh, I I just wanted to prove to myself that I could still cut a bit of code besides maintaining some code, and so I embarked embarked on working on the FL Digi work. You know, I've been a uh, systems analyst basically for about 40 years so I do have some experience in the in the field so when did you uh, discover Linux and did you come in from a Unix background in your systems analyst days or did you come in from a, a different tangent um, I, I did work in Unix quite a bit uh, I then also did a lot of uh, homework with Minix which kind of preceded to work on Linux, but I've been with Linux ever since it was available. Uh, okay, so back around uh, 1992-ish, give or take? That's correct. And I've, I've been producing amateur radio software since about the early 70s. Uh, DOS and, and Unix, as well as uh, Linux work. Now, FL Digi, as well as all the rest of the software that's on that website, my website, can run in Linux... Windows, FreeBSD, OS X, and about any revision of Puppy you can imagine. And uh, I also know from looking at your website that you have, uh, I guess it's a distribution called FL Puppy, is that correct? No, that's FL Puppy is, is um, actually another uh, distribution of the Puppy Linux, uh, but I don't maintain that. That's maintained by somebody else. And it was written primarily to be able to uh, be used on the on the EEE PC uh, notebook computers. Okay, that's uh, that's a nice thing to have. Um, and uh, I should have looked up to see who the uh, maintainer of that was. I know it's on your website. I'm sure um, our special note taker Bill will uh, look that up for me. 
you're you're not the only developer of FL Digi. You do have a couple of other guys who work on it with you, and uh, they are not here with us tonight. But I was wondering if you could uh, throw in a little plug for those guys so they get some recognition. Sure. Uh, the the principal other developer is is Stelios M Zero G L D. Uh, he kind of pulled my buns out of the fire about three years ago when I had gotten stuck on some race problems and also some issues of uh, of threading. When you're running a multi multi threaded application, uh, you have to be careful about what threads do what. And the GUI that we use, the Fastlight Toolkit does not have a built-in uh, threading capability, so you, you basically have to write your own around the, the, the GUI toolkit. And Stelios provided the, uh, the means for us to finally conquer some of the bugs that I couldn't, I couldn't kill. Um, he was also principally uh, in, involved in some of the GUI aspects of it. We also have uh, Lee... I have to look up his call sign, but that's okay. Lee does most of the uh, L E I G H does most of the work on the XML interface. For as far as the human engineering aspects of it, the GUI and what goes where on on the application, uh, that's really being driven primarily by a fellow named Skip Teller, K H six T Y. And if you've ever run Digipan, you'll recognize that call. And, and Skip has been the one who's kind of allowed us to produce a, an application that's got a, a minimal footprint with a lot of a lot of things going on behind the scenes. So if if you've used FLDG for a while, you'll know that it, there's a lot more to it than first meet, first meets the eye. Well, I'm actually sort of a latecomer to digital mode communication with ham radio. Richard has been into it far longer. Uh, Bill, our astute note taker, has uh, told me that Lee's call sign is WA5ZNU. That's correct. Uh, just to make sure that gets out there. Um, I have played around with FLDG a little bit, but I've primarily used it for CW and PSK31. Um, I know it can do a whole lot more than that, but uh, I've enjoyed it for what little I've used it for. So... I guess the first thing I would like to know about FLDG is uh, when when you first came to it, when did you start it, um, and what what did it do when you first wrote it? Uh, you know what what was the core of F, of FLDG when you first started um, that you have built on? Okay, I want to give credit to where credit is due, and that and if you look through the code, you'll see that um, GMFSK receives a lot of credit for the underpinnings. Of FL Digi, GMFSK was also a GPL uh, code base. After having maintained that for three years, quite a bit of that code was brought forward into FL Digi, and so a lot of the original digital modem code, that is the encoders and the decoders, came from that application. All of the GUI is completely new when we moved over to the Fastlight Toolkit for FL Digi. And there's been quite a few modem types added since the move was made away from the GMFSK. I still maintain GMFSK, and I receive some requests for assistance at times when people can't get it running, and I do do a, maintain a separate branch of GMFSK. I don't think the gentleman who wrote it is uh, maintaining it at all anymore. I, 
uh, he may have found it to be a, a bit more uh, than he anticipated. FL Digi's got about 2,500 users. It takes about a good 50 hours of my, my week to uh, do the coding and the support work. Okay, I, I wouldn't have thought that there was that much of a time investment in it. That's a very interesting piece of information. So when when it comes to supporting the application, you're you're pretty much it. Well, in terms of the of the code management, um, I'm the principal one. In terms of Elmering, there are there are quite a few people who provide Elmer, Elmering on Linux platform and also on the Windows platform, and there's at least two that do the same on OS X. Uh, but it still requires a lot of time. It's it takes a lot of dedication. So. Um, there are times when you, you look at it and say, I'm not sure I want to keep on doing this and for how much longer I can. I'm 72 years old, so uh, my gray cells are starting to slow down a bit. Well, they seem to be firing on all cylinders tonight, but we have no problem there. You, you've also written several other applications uh, or uh, converted some into uh, current applications like GMFSK, but uh, FL Digi seems to be the one that many or most people may know about. Um, what are some of the other ones you've done, and what what do you where do you think FL Digi ranks among them? There's another ancillary op- application that FL Digi is a, a principal part of, and it's called Narrowband Emergency Messaging System (NBEMS). NBEMS consists of FL Digi, a program called FLARQ, which is an automated re- re- repeat request uh, application. Something called FL Wrap, which is which allows you to uh, take any text or, in fact, any any file whatsoever, and uh, encapsulate it uh, and possibly compress it for transmission over HF or VHF. Uh, there's another part of that app, NBEMS, called FL Message, which is a message automated message generator that creates um, ICS files and or uh, ARRL radiogram message files. It, it interfaces directly to FL Digi for both reception and sending of the messages. There's a program that works along with FL Digi called FL Rig. They all have FL in the front because they all use the same tool ba- toolkit or, or the GUI, which is the fast light toolkit. FL Rig is a uh, transceiver, er, transceiver control application. At present, it controls about 40 different transceivers. And then if you're interested in CW, I have an application that will run on all of the, the various OSs called FLWKey, which interfaces to the WinKeyer. And there's a whole bunch of other ones in here that are of, of little interest unless you happen to own some very specific pieces of hardware. At one time, I owned a Kachina 505, which was a... Um, a computer-oriented transceiver, and I wrote a, com- a control program for that, which would run on various OSs as, as well. Unfortunately, my Kachina went dead as a result of a direct lightning strike two years ago. I learned that you can't leave antennas hooked up in the state of Alabama. Yeah, I understand that one myself, because you really can't leave them hooked up in Texas either. I don't know. I've been lucky in that way. I've I've thrown my uh I've thrown my coax out the window a couple of times, but for the most part, I just leave it up. And now I'm going to shoot myself in the foot by saying I haven't had anything happen. So from now on, I guess I'm going to disconnect my radios. 
Yeah, well, I've had one strike in 20 years, so uh, I've been real lucky myself. That was one strike in 53 years, but it cost me a lot of money. Yeah, I know. The one I had took out uh, half of the radio room, my furnace, and a television at the far end of the house. So I, I, I understand. I see where you're coming from. So to uh, to the point of FL programs, that references the Fastlight Development Toolkit. So where did you come across that, and why did you choose it? Well, actually, I, I was a participant with some of the early FLTK development, and so I, I knew the toolkit very well. And I had uh, intimate knowledge of all the various widgets that are available. Controls, if you're thinking in terms of the Windows uh, OS, but the Linux and Unix, they're all widgets. And so I was comfortable with it, and uh, it was just, a, and I knew I needed to develop some additional widgets. Specifically, I needed to develop a, a waterfall widget, and I could do that most easily in that particular um, framework. And it's also a, a complete C++ framework. And I did not want to continue working in C, which is what GMFSK was written in, uh, along with um, GTK. And so this is, a, this is a C++ application. And once you've moved into the C++ realm, it's easy for you to uh, build upon the work that already has preceded you. You don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. Well, it's kind of interesting because you come from uh, programming and from systems analysis in uh, the distant past, I guess we could call it, of of systems architecture. And uh, those people who started early on uh, started with things like C or with CMS and things like that and uh, don't, don't have any particular love for C++ that I'm aware of. So it's interesting that you kind of went with a, with a C++, an object-oriented language like that. Uh, I've I've cut code and everything from IBM mainframe, PLM, uh, lots of different assembly level languages. Uh, I did a lot of coding for air traffic control, um, computer systems, and those are all written primarily in assembly. So I, I've I've seen them all, and C plus just just it seems to make the most sense to me. Well, it's always good to work with something that fits your brain. Uh, it definitely makes life easier. So um, regarding FLDigi itself, it seems to be a widely adopted digital mode program for uh, ham radio applications. We tout it quite frequently, and uh, Richard and I both use it uh, when we when we do digital mode communications. If you would, can you kind of walk us through some of the uh, more primary features of the application? Well, how about if I give you a little preview into what's coming up with the, with the next version? Okay, that sounds great. I think everybody sort of understands what it does. I mean, it's an encoder and a decoder for different digital modes That's uh, correct. at its core. So what's coming up with it? The next version, 3.21, is going to have uh, the capability of sending and receiving weather facts, and uh, that's being developed by a gentleman over in France. But it's, it's in, the, uh, in the alpha uh, test mode right now. Uh, FLDigi can handle a, a, a fairly wide variety of, of modes. It doesn't do some of the newer modes, such as, as the JT or, or some of the other ones, but it's, it's, it does all of the base uh, digital, digital code, uh, decoding and encoding. The next version is also going to have uh, some things that aren't in the current one, including an embedded uh, browser that will work both on PSK 
all, all of the PSK modes and uh, RTTY. And so it might find some, uh, be of some interest to those amateurs in the Linux world who also like to do radio teletype contesting. FLDigi also has a, a built-in logbook capability with uh, basically an unlimited size on, on the logbook. It maintains all, the lo all of its logbook databases in an ADIF format, so completely compatible with any other logbook that would read and write ADIF. Um, it's got a pretty, it's got a fairly good contest capability, although it's not designed specifically to be a contest machine. But for uh, the casual contester it, uh, and working in the digital modes, it'll it's more than adequate. It'll automatically generate Cabrillo re reports for the quite a few of the of the contests. It's got a fairly good online documentation. If you've never looked at it, you might want to take a take a look at the online documentation. It consists of about 140 uh, web pages. And most of those have illustrations on them, so it's uh, a lot of let let the photograph do the talking type of online documentation. I I personally have actually looked at the online documentation uh, considerably and um, looked at the various screenshots and stuff like that. And for an open source project, it is definitely one of the better documented ones because there are some parts of digital mode communication that can be a little esoteric and. I've I've always found the answers I've needed in the docs. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Part of what's on there, also, if you haven't looked at it, there's a section in the in the online documentation that allows you to uh, preview what all of the various modes look look like on a waterfall and what they sound like, as well as some uh, information on the specifications for the various modes. And some of that work was done by a fellow named uh, Murray over in uh, in New Zealand. He also helped us develop a, one of the newer modes that's on here that was made specifically for um, HF low band, and that's called Thor, named after the god of lightning. Uh, I was working on that at the time when I had the lightning strike. <laughs> and so that was the way that got named. Oh, that's, oh, it got named after that. I was going to say it uh, sounded like the definition of irony, but I guess <laughs> uh, it's more like providence. Um, Richard is the one who uh, does the digital modes and uh, can actually, uh, I guess, according to him, identify them by uh, just listening. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I have been asking a lot of these questions, and Richard has been holding back, I know, because his voice is probably uh, very gravelly at the moment. But uh, do you have any questions for Dave? No, as far as questions, um, you know, there's a few things. You know, I was going to want to ask, uh, <laughs> and now I can't even get my words right. I was going to ask uh, ask Dave a little bit about um, how the uh, co the uh, integration with CQR log was accomplished. Was that difficult? And uh, I'm trying real hard to fight off the Simon demon at the moment. Uh, the, the interface of CQR log is done uh, through an, uh, an ICP interface, and so that's all automated. The two two programs rather talk to each other through um, Assist Five. Uh, ICP interface. FLDigi can also do something similar for um, other other logbook programs on Linux, and it it's also does the same thing uh, using a, a different type of of a handshake on Windows with some of the Windows uh, 
logging applications. So it's, it, it does talk to the various logging applications, although not as tightly as you might want them to do. Right. We have, like Russ says, we push FLDG quite heavily over here. And, uh, everybody knows every time we start talking about it, I start getting angry at Simon over at HRD. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you run DM 780, you're really running FLDG. Simon asked if he, he would be allowed to use the FLDG uh, modem code, all of the C++ classes. And we told him he could, but, that, that meant he also had to provide his application as a GPL and, and therefore make available any code that he added. And so he did that, and as a matter of fact, some of the work he did got fed back into FLDigi. Is it GPL now? Last time I checked, he was uh, using BSD license over there. Well, the, but that part of it which touches upon F, the FLDigi code still has to stay GPL. Okay. That's, I, I, see, that's, that's where my irritation with Simon comes from. But as far as the program's concerned, I think FLDG is an outstanding program. And, uh, Russ was telling you, I've been running, uh, running data modes for a long time. I started out running Ridia on a robot in the late eighties. So, <laughs> uh, uh, I have done a lot of stuff with my, I, my father and I were hubs for the packet network here in DFW. Uh, the HF packet network and a uh, bunch of other things. So, uh, it does not cease to amaze me how well this program is written, how easy it is to use, uh, how many modes are available through it, even some that a lot of people haven't heard of, which are, well, I can't say that because Hellscriber is making a comeback. You know, that was my only interest was how difficult it was to get it to uh, integrate with uh, CQR log because uh, I know it's had a logging facility in it for some time. And now that I hear that's uh, starting to come along better, I may just drop uh, CQR log altogether because I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm a paper log kind of guy, so I prefer prefer a simpler log. Well, that's that's where I come from also. And the log, the log book was designed to, to satisfy me more than anything else. And, and along the way, I did add some bells and whistles as people requested it. Well, I mean, and there you have it. Cause, uh, you know, you got the contesters out there. They wanted to do everything, you know, include make you a cup of coffee while you're operating. FLDG will not tell you when you've achieved WAS. Well, there, there you have it. And, uh, since I, I got there a long time ago, I really don't need that facility anyway. But, uh, one thing I want, and I know I've just kind of rested the show completely out of Russ's hands, but let me, let me go on on this a little while and then we'll get back on track. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, I ran across a gentleman out at one of the local field days that was, uh, he was running FL Digi on a, on a Windows, uh, laptop. And what I come to find out is that he was running FLDG on a Windows laptop because he was making modifications to the code. And this is one of the things that uh, I try and push when I talk to people is that uh, FLDG as opposed to something like HRD, which is where we run into the most resistance in getting amateur radio operators to come over to Linux, um, FLDG, you can get in there and you can modify it if you need to and, uh, change it to get it to work where you need and the way you need it to work. And, um, this guy, he was sitting there, he'd operate for a little while. Uh, he'd stop, he'd go in, he'd look at the code, he'd make a, make a change. He'd, uh, recompile it real quick and get on with it. And, um, 
I mean, he was having a ball and I was trying to get everybody out there. Uh, that, but I don't know. I, I'm sure there's not a question in here other than the fact that, uh, that's another reason we push, uh, the Linux, the, uh, open source side of it so much is, uh, because FL Digi is something you can work with. Uh, you were talking about, uh, WinPSK or something else a while ago. I used that and there were a couple of things that, uh, couple of things that I would have changed in it if I could have, but unfortunately, because it was licensed the way it was licensed, I couldn't do anything with it. Anyway, I'm going to hand it back to Russ now that I've rambled. I'm sorry. I, the cold medicine makes me wander. <laughs> you did yeah. bring something up, and I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that a bit. There are several people who have written uh, code to, that's external to FL Digi that allows FL Digi to operate as an integral part of it. Uh, and on the Windows side, there is um, a fellow named Rick Ellis who has written interface code to the N1, N1MM uh, logger, and it uh, takes FL Digi and replaces the um, some of the earlier digital interface code that they had in that, and, and it operates in a way that all of FL Digi disappears with the except of its exception of its of its waterfall and if if you run fl digi on linux and run it from a terminal you want to sometime just run it with the f dot fl digi and then with dash dash help after it to see all of the various command line parameters that can be passed into fl digi one of which is waterfall only and when you do that you it'll it'll run with simply having a waterfall available to you and you don't get an RX text or 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 a TX text pane because that would be managed by the external program, and that can happen on Windows as well as as Linux. Another fellow, uh, Gary WB8ROL, and I'm sure you've read some of his articles in QST uh, about Olivia. He's basically Mr. Olivia, loves the Olivia and Contestia. He and I have a, have at least two QSOs a month on one of those modes. And Gary has written a, a code to, in, in addition to what is available for FL Digi, and he has written a something called FL Digi Lite, which he makes available. And so, yes, it's possible to take the base code for FL Digi and either expand upon it or, or make it smaller depending upon your needs. And that, that's the nice part about uh, the general public license and the GPL code, it allows you to magnify your work because other people can can take and run with it after you've no longer able to. Well, that's something else I like about the GPL as far as the am, amateur radio uh, uh, applications and stuff. There was a uh, there was a program we used over on the, over on Windows when I was over there, a packet program, packet mailbox program, and I can't remember the guy's name. To save my life, he passed away, and uh, the mailbox you can still download it off the internet today. He's been gone six, seven, eight years, uh, but you can download it off off the internet today. But things have changed so much since then that uh, it's almost barely usable. It was an external uh, mailbox program. 
instead of using the one in the in the controller. But as far but as far as Olivia is concerned, uh, I'm interested in that one myself. That's that's the one I've been uh, trying to get some time with. Uh, it's like I said, the primary, the majority of my experience has been with packet. Uh, just, uh, you know, I spent, uh, several years working Amtor and, uh, I really loved Amtor, uh, and almost had my work to all states on it. And, um, so I'm familiar with FEC and ARQ and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of these new guys until they read up on it, probably have no idea, but uh, one of the things that comes up in reading articles on FL Digi is the word robust. And um, I can't think of any word that describes FL Digi better. We need to probably need to poke Russ and see if he's snoring over. Russ, are you still awake? Oh, yeah, I'm still awake. I'm, you know, I'm wrapped. Well, unwrap yourself and get back in the conversation. Why? You're commandeered it. I'm sorry. I'm giving it back. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I, I just decided to pull up the FL Digi interface here. And one of the questions I was going to ask, which is probably a really great question and probably impossible to answer is what feature of FL Digi do you think is like the coolest thing about it that nobody knows? The coolest thing about it that nobody knows in the Linux world, you want to right click because lots of times you find out information by right clicking that you didn't know could, that a particular control could do. And a lot of the controls in FL Digi uh, behave differently for a left click and a right click or even a center click. Uh, center click, but if you have that mouse wheel you can press down on it, that's, that's a center click. And, for example, uh, if you were to take the, your mouse and move it over the top of the, of the uh, menu, the, the button bar for the macro buttons, mm-hmm. and, en- and enroll your mouse you'd see that you can move move between the various sets of macros. Okay, there's a feature I didn't know about and I'm doing it right now. Okay, so that so cool. There's a feature. Right. Excellent. And I love the macros. There's so many of them in FL Digi. I kept running out on other pieces of software. The other thing is you want to bring up the configure for the waterfall. Okay. And, and if you look at look on the 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 mouse, there's there's three. There should be a few tabs there. Uh-huh. Display, FFT processing, and mouse. Right. And, it'll, and then you now you can select what you want the mouse wheel to do when it's hovering over in in the waterfall area. And so you can have it change. You can move the actual waterfall cursor position up and down by single hertz at a time by using the mouse wheel. You can change the AFC range or the bandwidth. You can have it go through a signal search process. That, that is, it'll search forward, up, upscale, or, or downscale on the waterfall. Or you can also select to have it scroll. That is, if you have a, if you're interfaced to a transceiver, and by the way, it needs one that's got a pretty good baud rate on on the serial lines. But if you see we're at, on that at mouse. Tab, it says dragging on the waterfall scale changes frequency. Yes. So if you were to click that and you and you interface to a transceiver via the serial port, you can then if you click on that and then and then bring your mouse over the top of the waterfall scale, you'll see it changes to a right and left arrows, and you can drag that waterfall scale and it will change your transceiver in accordance with that. Wow. Now, so there's some cool things that that's available that most people don't understand. Another very very 
interesting and useful capability is the little button down there below the waterfall called QSY. And you can set FL Digi up so that you know, you tell FL Digi where the sweet spot is for your particular transceiver in a particular mode. And for example, I'm running a a little Argo Five, and it it centers all of its all of its uh, digitally controlled passband bandwidths around 1100 hertz. So I set my my sweet spot in FL Digi to 1100 hertz. And now if I were trying to to receive somebody that who is down at the audio frequency about four four hundred hertz, and I'm on it. I can hit the QSY button. It'll automatically change the transceiver frequency and the audio frequency so that that signal is now centered at eleven hundred cycles. I can then select to go with a with a very narrow filter if I needed to to Im- improve the reception for that signal. Okay, well I'm I'm looking at the QSY thing and I've got my I've got my scroll wheel set to move the uh, move up and down the hertz, and my QSY is grayed out. So you actually have to be on a decodable signal before QSY comes in. You have to have you have to be actually connected up to a transceiver that you can control. That has to be you have to have that controlled either, or transceiver either directly using the Hamlab interface or the RigCat interface or indirectly via the, the, what's called an XML-RPC interface, and that that's how FLDigi uh, connects and talks to the other program, uh, FLRig, which is, in, in my case, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm running FLDigi and FLRig concurrently. FLRig talks to the transceiver, and it, in turn, communicates with FLDigi so that the two are always in sync with each other. The other one that's interesting is the store button. And if you, if you don't have hints enabled, um, you want to make sure you have them enabled. Do you have hints enabled for all of the controls? I do, yes. Okay. So if, if you hover your mouse over the top of store, you'll see it says store the mode and frequency. And so you're, you're copying somebody, and, and it's of interest. You want to get back to that one. And so you press the store button. It'll store the frequency, the audio frequency you're currently on. It'll store the mode you're currently operating on. And if you're connected up to the transceiver, it will store the transceiver frequency, the, the suppressed carrier, the USB frequency. And, and then uh, at some I also point see later, that... you want to go back to that particular station, mm-hmm. and you right-click on the store. If you had, After you press the, the store a few times using left-click, you press the right-click, and it will bring up a list that you can select from. Um, yep, I've already I already noticed that because you told me early on just to use the right click, so I saw that uh, list pop up there, and that's very neat. Right. Okay. And if you're if you are hooked up to a transceiver, let's say you were up the the station you wanted to go back to was on 80 meters, but you looked the, you were going over to see what kind of action was on 40 meters, and so if you brought up the list from that store button using the right click. And selected it, it would it would change your transceiver back to 80 meters. It would set the USB frequency to the right spot. It would set the audio frequency to the right spot. Hopefully, that station is still there that you can work them again. Yeah, that's excellent. I also see up at the top that you have uh, the RXID and TXID. Yes. Um, could you RX, go, go into that RXID a little bit? TXID is allow you to the the R. It's the Reed Solomon identification code that was developed by Patrick Lindecker, who wrote uh, Multi-PSK. 
Multi-PSK, DM780, FL Digi, and there's a couple others also that are capable of sending and receiving that the Reed Solomon identification code. The RSID code, once it's sent, um, you can decode it at the receiving side to about minus 17 dB. Now, there's 17 dB below the noise level. Uh, when you decode it, it automatically sets the frequency of you, of your at your at for your audio tracking point, and it automatically changes over to the correct mode that's being transmitted. Now, is this... if, if, if the mode is not supported by FL Digi, you'll get a, a notification to the effect down in the status bar that it's de de detected it, but not a mode supported. So if you just click on something in the waterfall, for example, that happens to be transmitting uh, one of these IDs, it will... It you don't will... have to click on it. Okay. If you have R if you have the RXID set up, and you have to go back to the configuration tab again, and you want to pull up the tab that says ID. Yep. And you'll see that there at the very bottom it talks about Reed Solomon ID. You have various uh, parameters you can set up for the reception of it, and then you can have various parameters for the transmission. Okay. Uh, on the reception, if you if you press that button that says receive modes, you you can select which modes you want to accept to receive RSIDs on. I don't ever set it up to receive RSIDs on on PSK thirty one. I I know what I know what that signal looks like, uh, but it might be useful in certain some circumstances. Um, so you can either select you can select them all, clear them all, or you can select specific ones so that that allows you to be selective in the, in the reception of them you have a similar list over in the transmit modes which allows you to select which ones that you're going to transmit an rsid code for and i never send an rsid code again for psk 31 or 63 because i recognize those and i think most other people also do also you can select on a reception of the RSID whether you want to search the entire passband, that is all 3,000 cycles, or only a small passband in the vicinity of where your cursor currently is. That might be useful in certain circumstances. You can select to mark where you were previously when, a, when an RSID code is received, and if you do that, that will that will bring up what looks like a web link or HTML, HTML link in your, R, in your Rx panel. It's a different color, and it's clickable. You can go back up. Once that appears in your Rx, Rx panel, you can click on it in the Rx panel, and you can return to your previous mode and frequency. You can, you can elect to disable the RSID detection once you have received the first one. In other words, you don't want to keep chasing yourself, chasing the mouse all the time, so therefore you can disable that. You can also elect just to be notified and not actually do anything other than just have a pop-up box that comes up and says, it's detected, um, contestia uh, 4 slash 250, at, and it'll tell you what frequency it's at. And so that's, that's the RX ID. After all these parameters are set up, nothing happens unless you press the button that's on the main panel. Same thing is true with the transmit uh, RXID. You you will not have any good thing go out unless it's uh, also enabled on the main panel. Now, having said that, 
I will say there's another way of uh, enabling both the RSID and the TXID, and that's by the use of macro tags. The macro language that's in, in FLDG allows you to add those type of performance changes to a, a macro sequence. Uh, trying to think, oh, one other thing here. Uh, if you look at the button just to the left of RXID on the main panel, it's, it says spot, and yours may or may not be highlighted. If you have the spot capabilities enabled in the configuration, that button will be enabled, uh, and you can elect to have FLGG automatically spot PSK signals either in the main RX panel or its PSK browser, and it will look for a specific type of data sequence. Usually you're looking for a double CQ and a double call sign, or a double call sign followed by a DE for this is, and then another double call sign. When it detects those, it will automatically send a report back off to the PSK reporter, which is a website, and and the purpose of that is to allow you to participate in in an activity called PSK reporting. And if you go to the PSK reporter site, which you can get to by the way by um, by looking on the help menu and look at the thing called reception reports, a web browser to the PSK reporter site, it'll show you what reports you have been submitting. And it'll show you other ones in the area. It'll and you can use that as a as a way of learning what activity is taking place in the various bands and where the various paths are open to around the world. Uh, so those are all kind of some kind of cool things that are in FLDigi that you don't not learn about until you've played with it for a while. Or until you have uh, the author on the program who can just go ahead and tell you about them. <laughs> and believe me, he forgets a lot of the features too. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm looking at the pskreporter.info site in the map display. It's got the nice, uh, shows, uh, solar, I forget what you call that thing, the, the line of day and night. That, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the gray line. Right, the gray line. And, uh, looks, uh, a little bit like Whisper, actually, uh, which kind of does the same thing, shows a propagation reporting. Uh, but this is for PSK mode, of course, instead of WSPR. Yeah, well, only that, but this tells you who is active. Uh, on PSK, at when, and on what bands. So you know, if you were looking to, to, if you wanted to, if you're doing or trying to do a WAC, and you need a particular country, you can be watching that and give you an idea of you know who's working who and and from where and to where. Um, another thing that's that you can do with FL Digi that's kind of neat um, on your menu on your macro bar, you have on the extreme right hand end something called Map It. Hmm, let me see. Maybe not, Um, but I'm going to tell you how you can. Okay, well, I I don't, actually, with my particular version, but... Okay, if if you're running a a current version of FL Digi, and you right-click on one of the the macro buttons, pick one that's not in use right now, that will open up the macro editor. Right. And if you scan down a bit, you're going to find a... A macro tag, and I'm going to look for it so I can I can tell you the exact thing you want to go get to. And for those who might be looking through this list, there are very it's a very long list of macro tags. Yes, it's a very very extensive list of macro tags. You really you really need to spend time playing with the macro tags because there's so many things that they'll do it. But if you you'll find one that's called Map It, 
and it's called Map by Value. Uh huh. I see that. And you, and you can select it to be uh, Map by Value for a, for the address, which is uh, the address of the, of that's filled in in the logbook entry by the latitude and longitude available that you might have read off of a, a site like QRZ or the locator. And so this particular macro tag works in conjunction with being able to look up uh, automated lookups either, either via QRZ or um, several other ones, but I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. But MapIt allows you to go ahead and view that. And so what I, I've got my MapIt set up to do on a location. And so I have one of my macro buttons with the only definition in the text is, is the MapIt colon LOC colon. Now, if I were to enter, uh, Russ, tell me your call sign. K5TUX. I could tell you my grid square if that's what you're looking for. I entered K5TUX call area of, in the logging panel. Uh-huh. I then pressed the little button that has the world symbol on it, and if you hover over it, it's called a QRZ. I, own, I, I pay for a, a subscriber membership to QRZ so I can get access to all of the online database. I press that, it brings up that uh, says your name is John, Russ. Well, it lies. It lies, okay. <laughs> no, uh, it, it's name? right. He just doesn't pay attention to it. <laughs> it's got you in Flippin, Ar Arkansas. That's right. EM36QG. Yep, that's correct. And if I then press that, my macro that I've got set up for doing map it, it brings up Google Maps, centers you on, uh, and centers you in the map. And so I can go ahead and take a look at what what your QTH looks like, where you're at, things of that nature. Just kind of a neat little feature, you know, one of the other G Wiz type of things. But I use it quite a bit because I like to be able to see where where a person is located. Yeah, I just did that myself, and that's actually very neat. I like that. And you know, I had a lot of respect for this application before, but now uh, after talking to you and finding about all the stuff I didn't know about before, uh, I have much more respect for this program. <laughs> And now Russ knows why I'm a fanboy. <laughs> are you trying to tell me you knew about all this stuff he's explained? Uh, there are a few things he's brought up I did not know were there. And uh, that's because when I started with computers, all we did was put the program in and run it. We never read the documentation. I guess that <laughs> makes me a good amateur radio operator, too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I'm one of the weird guys. I, I buy a new car. I don't drive it home until I've read the manual. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely uh, different from most uh, of the male persuasion. <laughs> I, I frustrate my wife terrible because I'm going to read it before I drive it away. I want to know where all the buttons are. That's right. Half of the fun is learning the features. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of features under the hood of FL Digi. You just got to keep looking for them. Oh yeah, uh, it's like I said. I, I'm a fanboy. You know, I've I've used a, a lot of software over the years, and for doing digital work, from everything from uh, slow scan television all the way down to uh, ready on a robot, like I said before. And uh, FL Digi, I it's probably the best thing I've ever used. I only have one problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. And it probably lies in Hamlib and not FL Digi. Uh, well, you know, I noticed uh, here a while back you added the, uh, the rig control stuff up in the corner, and uh, I run an FT897D, 
and I know in 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 the ham library there's uh their entry there is listed as a beta, so it's probably in there. But there's a there's an extra setting on uh, the FT897, uh, PSKU and PSKL, and uh, when I switch over to uh, to actually using PSK and uh, go go to those settings, I have to enter them manually. Uh, with any other mode, it goes right where it needs to go. But uh, uh, for some reason, uh, that PSK upper and lower just uh, Richard, I'm going to suggest something for you. Yes, sir. I'm going to suggest that you download the latest version of FL Rig. Okay. And if you run that a bit, you'll find that it gives you full support of UFT897 Delta. Well, see, so now I have no problems at all with FL Digi, none whatsoever. And when you interface between FL Rig and FL Digi, you, when you when you go to the configuration panel for rig control, you're going to see that the available tabs are hardware push to talk, rig cat, hamlib, mem map, which only supports one transceiver, and that used to be my old Kachina 505. Right. And there's another one called XML RPC, and it's really simple. It's just got one button on there. You you. you one checkbox, you check the checkbox, press the button, and it's going to now FL Rig is going to talk to FL Rig and back and forth. Uh huh. And FL Rig can be used standalone as well as with FL Digi. So you can learn how to use FL Rig on a standalone basis, make sure it works fine with that 897 Delta, and then you can run it with FL Digi. And then you'll yeah. be enjoying all the benefits of rig control with that. That FT897 Delta. Well, see, there you go. Uh, I knew there was a simple solution, and y'all had probably taken care of it. It's just that's the one thing is it's been little, been a little bit of a annoyance, I guess, for me. But uh, like I said, I'm a fanboy. I'm a fanboy. I love FL Digi. In fact, every time FL Digi or something related to FL Digi comes out of my mouth, the words I love is in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate that. <laughs> now, unfortunately, I'm going to spend the next seven days doing nothing but playing with FL Digi, but I, I guess like it's not a, too big a problem, I hope. Well, that's okay, because I got a copy of the Ubuntu Alpha over here, and I loaded up over there and see how it works with it. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to suggest that since you're both interested in knowing what's what's going to happen in the future with it, you might want to be looking at um, and testing some of the the alpha code. I just published a um, an FL Digi 3.21.0 Alpha Tango on the Alpha page this this evening. Okay. And the way you keep abreast of of what's happening on with the next revision of FL Digi is to join a group called the Alpha Test Group, and you go to Berlioz, and you want to sign up on Berlioz. The website is developer.berlioz, B-E-R-L-I-O-S, dot D-E, that's, that's Deutschland, slash projects, slash FLDigi. Berlioz is like a few of the other uh open source support agents, and it allows us to maintain much of the GPL code in a centralized repository, much in, and basically in the same way that the Linux core code is, is maintained. 
so that every everybody has access to the GPL code and 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 can also submit changes to it. But on that site, if you look on there, you'll see that there's a there's a there's also a place called lists, and on that you can you can join a couple of different lists, including the FL Digi uh, announcement for uh, list, which is for the alpha list. And so if any new anything new is published for the next version of FL Digi, you would automatically receive an, a notification of it. All right, I'm already over there getting ready to sign up. Well, good. You may have to send Bill the link because he 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 seems to have fallen asleep. But <laughs> he'll wake up eventually. You know, he's like that. Well, I just want to make sure it's in the show notes so that when I have time to go go over there, I, I'm able to remember it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll get there one way or the other. Well, Dave, um, I've probably kept you, or we've probably kept you here longer than you need to be on this this uh, fine Tuesday evening. But we really appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about FL Digi. It's an application that we both love and we tout to everybody who listens to us. Uh, and it's really nice to get some in depth insight into the application. So I want to thank you very much for uh, for coming here and talking to us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I don't often get on, on on phone. In fact, I'd have to go look for my microphone to go on HF phone. <laughs> See? That, Russ, I told you I wasn't the only one. Well, I mean, he's the writer of a digital mode application. You know, he's going to spend all his time in, in digital, you know. <laughs> right. And, be, and, and before that, my, my digital mode was CW. And there you have it. See, I'm, I'm just a geek. I, I, in fact, I don't like talking to people unless I can type at them. <laughs> okay well um you gave us the information on the berlioz and uh where they can find uh, where anybody can find information on upcoming advancements in fl digi um your own website is uh at w1hkj.com if i'm not mistaken that's correct okay and uh, information on all the software you uh develop or maintain or have an interest in is is on there so people can go there and check that out um, and I know you said you spend 50 hours a week just dealing with FLDG, so you probably don't want people to know where they can reach you. Um, although there are ways uh, for those who uh, are in the know. Yeah, Russ, Russ figured it out. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, by the way, there are links to the Berlioz site available on, on the W1HKJ site also. If you look on the download page at the very bottom, there's, there's a link there to the Berlioz archives. So that will get you over there, too. Okay, fantastic. So um, we, we won't send anybody else your way. We'll, we'll let you keep uh, yourself nice and low-key and, and only doing as much work as you're already doing. Um, but if you uh, get a chance, uh, give our thanks to, uh, to the other gentlemen who are uh, part of this program. Uh, the other developers, um, and I've already forgotten names. <laughs> I know there's Lee and there's uh, Lee Stelios. Uh, I should tell you that um, uh, W3NR, a fellow named Ed, is is without him, I'd, I would not be able to have the time to do coding because he answers almost 95% of all of the problem requests from people. He's he's a super Elmer. Uh, as an, uh, another fellow named Rick. Uh, who uh, lives up in the Michigan area, who is the, the principal man when it comes to audio interfacing. So there's lots of people out there who uh, who have support FL Digi, even though they may not be a member of the development team. 
Okay, well, great. Uh, that's uh, excellent for getting them all in there and uh, not not being the one to take all the glory when there's lots of people or lots of people to whom you can spread it around. Um, Richard likes to end these things in his own way, so I'm going to let him wind wind this down. Go ahead. See, he's trying to turn me into a narcissist again. I keep telling him I already am one, so it's not going to work. But, yes, Dave, thank you so much for coming by. It's like I said, uh, your your software, your program is the most fantastic thing I have ever used. And I am so glad we had an opportunity to talk to you. We, um, we could rattle on for eight episodes if, if, if we wasn't in control of ourselves and i'm trying real hard to maintain thank you for coming by you're welcome been my pleasure to talk with you tonight and i know ted gets mad at us because uh, uh we don't talk about his stuff more but guys that listen to us they they're afraid of command line so we point them at the gooey <laughs> <laughs> okay fellas i'll go ahead and and, and do the hang up from my, my end should i rush are you going to do that um, well, uh, why don't you go ahead and do that and, uh, probably just make it easier for me. I don't want Skype to crash any more than it already has. Okay. <laughs> All right. See thanks later, again. Guys. It's, uh, it's oh, a real pleasure. Better, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Now we, you know, we've sent Dave on his way and I'll tell you right now what I could sit here and talk with Dave all night. I know I didn't talk a whole lot during that particular interview because, uh, uh, Russ was hogging the airwaves, but that's okay. Um, sooner or later we'll drag him back in here kicking and screaming. So, uh, how'd you feel about that particular interview, Russ? Uh, I think I got some good questions in there and I tell you what, I'm sure there's a bunch of information that Dave gave us that a lot of people who use FL Digi are going to find very interesting because I guarantee you not half of the people that use it knew half of what he told us about. And there you have it. You know, the problem is that um, I'm, I'm, another reason I didn't want to get too involved is because we'd got off on stuff that wouldn't have made any sense to anybody that hadn't been using digital modes for years and stuff. And, you know, um, I, I didn't want that to happen. I know that uh, you probably had more questions that would be uh, targeted better to our newer radio operators or at least those just getting into digital modes. Uh, Russ tells me that we've decided that we're gonna, we're gonna stall off feedback for two weeks because we went kind of long on interview. Is that correct, Russ? Uh, that is correct. We managed to keep Dave around for a very long time. I'm surprised he was willing to put up with us for as long as he did, but that being the case, we just don't have any room for feedback. So we're gonna have probably an all feedback episode next time. Ooh, just like going Linux. Yep, just like going Linux or something like that. I don't know. There, there's a lot of feedback we had for this time, and uh, we may wind up throwing some kind of content in, but we'll see how that goes. We'll see what it's like in a couple of weeks. Well, anytime I can be like Larry and Tom, I'm a, uh, I'm a fanboy of going Linux, too. Everything except for Commuter America, which is a waste of time. Well, it has its moments. It's a waste of time. You know what? It gets Linux on an actual on-air radio show. So, uh, yeah, for that, I'm, I'm kind of grateful, you know, to see that it's getting out there, but it's one day a month for a couple of hours, mostly interspersed with radio advertising. So it's practically useless too, but it is something. So we'll give them that. Well, Larry, Tom, I'm still a fanboy. Russ is going linux agnostic but we're we're turning him 
We're turning him. No, I like going Linux. I just don't like Computer America. We're preaching the good news. That's right. Okay, well, uh, send us home. Uh, uh, go home. <laughs> I'm already on. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those of you that joined us in the chat room tonight, I appreciate y'all being there. I hope I didn't make Bill mad when I shook him awake a while ago. Uh, it's been a wonderful, fantabulous, exciting time. And in fact, I finally got warm while we were sitting here. And I'm afraid what that may indicate because it, uh, the warmth started in my nether regions, but that's okay. Uh, we will be back next time. We will have y'all some feedback and everything like that. Y'all don't forget to visit the website and all that good stuff. If you want to get a hold of me, my name is Richard, KB5JBV, and uh, you can contact me at KB5JBV at gmail.com. KB5JBV at gmail.com. Or you can hunt me down on the local networks. Go to your favorite local network and type in KB5JBV. And if I'm there, I will show up. If you friend me, I will friend you back. If you follow me, I will let you follow me. And uh, that pretty much covers it for this time. So uh, give me info, Russ, so get on out of here. All right, this is Russ, K5TUX, from up here in the Pine Forest between the peaks of North Central Arkansas. You can find me as J.R. Woodman and all the social networks out there on the Internet. Check out the website at lhspodcast.info. Leave us a comment. Send us an email at info at lhspodcast.info. Or send us a voicemail at 417-200-4811, and we'll put you on the air. Unless you tell us not to, in which case we might do it anyway. No, just kidding. Anyway, uh, send us a donation so we can get to Hamvention 2011. Keep it between the ditches. Stay listening to the program. Tell a... 200 of your closest friends about us if you can do that if not one or two will do it buy some lhs merchandise you know all those things that we would have you do uh that you might not necessarily want to do but anyway thanks to everybody for listening thanks to those in the chat room and i guess we'll see you all in a couple of weeks hope everybody has a fantastic new year's